0: Welcome to the Ferris Love Podcast, where we share spiritual and practical ideas for how to live family life with a beautiful, self-sacrificing love. Today, we're talking about five things couples should know before they get married with Doug Hinderer, a licensed marriage and family therapist. Welcome, Doug.
1: Hey, Katie. How are you? Good to see you
0: good to see you as well. In case you have not heard Doug before, you can go back and listen to some of our previous episodes that we've had with him. Uh, Season three, he was on episode 14 on conflict in your marriage. And then in season two, he was in both episode 18 and 16 talking about forgiveness in marriage and keeping the love alive. So make sure you go back and listen to those as well. So Doug, let's dive in and let's start. We're talking the five things couples should know before they get married. And obviously for those who are already married, this is something good that maybe you can discuss with your spouse now, or maybe good conversations to have with your children as they start looking for spouses,
1: right? Yeah, exactly right. And you know what? The whole idea of marriage prep um, really should start before the couple's engage. It actually should start when they're in diapers. You know, it's like, and that's where the parents come in is to teach their children, help their children know what to look for, how to make good decisions, and what makes for a good marriage and what doesn't. A lot of parents are woefully unprepared for that, um, and so hopefully this talk can help a little bit uh, in that regard. Let's see, Great.
0: Love it. All right, let's dive in. What's number one?
1: So number one is, uh, what are your future spouse's defects,
0: mm.
1: right? And listen, we all have defects, right? We're all Products of original sin. Uh, along the way, we pick up some bad habits. You know, you got seven big ones out there. You got anger and pride, and you know, envy and you know, gluttony and all that. Stuff. Um, and you know, and you got the devil constantly working on you, right? And so we're we're sinful people, and we have defects. Plus, we have our own temperaments. Your temperament and mine may not be the same. That will lead to conflict. We have our own interests. Some of our interests may not align. So all these things come together to to assure the fact that there will be conflict in your marriage. And we did that whole podcast on that, right? Mm -hmm. So your spouse has defects. Now, uh, success in marriage often boils down to marrying someone whose defects you can live with, Mm, sure, Um, because you're going to be living with them a lifetime. Here, the challenge, though, is that love is blind,
0: right? Mm. When you're
1: deeply in love, infatuation, love can blind you to the other person's defects. And so this is where it's a really good idea to seek input from family and friends. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about this person I'm dating? And because they love you, not the other person. Sure. And they're not blind to the other person's defects. And so if you're talking to other people, family and friends, and like, man, you probably should think twice about this. We're not sure about this person. Well, you need to think twice. Or if they're saying, wow, you caught a good one here. Don't let this one go. That's a really strong endorsement. Okay, so um, spending time actually figuring out what your spouse's defects uh, are all about is a really good idea. I mean, some defects are really difficult to live with, you know, like anger. So if you're dating somebody, married to somebody who gets angry easily, you spend your whole life like walking on pins and needles, afraid to upset them and always worry that you might say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. That's exhausting to go through life with somebody who is given to anger. Um, alcohol and, and drug abuse. Uh, you know, it's alcohol is really a very dangerous drug. Uh, it's socially acceptable, of course. In fact, it's the only drug out there that you actually have to make excuses for not using it (laughs) when you go to a party or out to dinner. Um, But the statistics are kind of staggering. 50% of all domestic abuse involves alcohol. Mm, And a much larger percentage of domestic murder involves alcohol. So alcohol is involved in an awful lot of domestic problems. Mm -hmm. And so if you're dating someone who has a weakness, you know, in alcohol or drug use, that doesn't bode well for the future. So that's a defect you should probably stay away from. Um, you know, another one is negativity and constant complaining. I mean, who wants to live with someone who's constantly telling you how messed up you are?
0: Mm-hmm. That, you
1: know, so someone with a critical spirit who always sees the glass half empty, that's difficult to go through life with because it really kind of attacks your own self-esteem and feeling of self-worth. Selfish people are very difficult to live with. <laughs> that's not neat. We're always about what they want. Uh, they're not very giving, generous people. Um, you know, another you know defect is scorekeeping, and mm-hmm. there's a real tendency, you know, to keep score. Certainly, social media really flaunts that. Like, look what I got versus what you got, and I'm always comparing, right? Scorekeeping, comparing. The problem is we always keep score against people who have got something better than we do, right? Sure. They make more money. We never compare ourselves to someone who makes less. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, look how cool I am. Uh, it's always people make more. So scorekeeping uh, translates into a lot of disharmony. In
0: and scorekeeping too, like the example you were giving is scorekeeping like you versus someone else outside of your relationship. But I would imagine yeah. too, also there's a lot of scorekeeping for people who struggle with this. There's a lot of scorekeeping like between husband and wife.
1: Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: You didn't do this back to me and like, oh, I've done this. I've emptied the dishwasher more times than you have, right?
1: Correct. Correct, and if you're keeping score in a marriage, right, you're always just going to see the 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 points where you come up short, right, where where the other person is getting over. Um, and you know, I listen to a lot of couples argue about that kind of stuff. You know, well, I have to dishwasher more than you do. Oh no, you don't. I empty it more. Well, now you both can't be right, but you're both keeping score, but you're only seeing the part you want to see.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and so there's that. Just a lot of a lot of uh, disharmony comes from scorekeeping.
0: Sure. Um, how do you know? what defects you really can live with because again like you were saying like love is blind so you're sitting here and you're Mm -hmm. almost engaged or you're watching your child about to get married and you're like oh my gosh like what Mm -hmm. and they're like it's fine like I love him with his defects but like how how do you really look at it and say like hmm like maybe I do can I live with this for the next 60 years
1: yeah, see, that's a really good question. And and I, I think, you know, taking a really hard look at how the defects, you know, if they really upset you, right? And so if you're dating somebody and the relationship has got a lot of turmoil already, where you find yourself sad or you find yourself offended a lot, yeah. that means they've got a defect in there somewhere that really kind of rubs against the grain, all right? Mm-hmm. Defects that devalue you as a human being, mm. Right. That's not good. Defects, you know, um, that tend to be abusive emotionally, especially physically, but emotionally as well. is really, really tough. You know, I mean, some defects like, you know, they tend to be a slobs. They don't throw their clothes in the clothes hamper. They don't make their bed or they slurp their soup or, you know, they're a little cranky in the morning. They, you can live with those kinds of things, right? Or they, they tend to be late. You know, it's like, oh, OK, I can live with someone who tends to be late. That's not a big deal. They don't put the cap on a toothpaste. Somebody's, you know you can live with those defects. Um, but the big ones, the ones yeah. that, that where you don't feel safe emotionally, mm-hmm. where where you don't feel well loved, which gets on to our second point, okay. which is to marry someone who knows how to actually love. Mm. Um, and so defects that result in a person in you not feeling loved and cherished, those are those will cause a lot of problems down the road. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, that makes sense. All right, good. So perfect segue into number two then. So number two is, right, does your future spouse know how to love you? So tell us a little bit more about that. How do, how do we know that? Or yeah, we and talking?
1: this was in one of the past podcasts, so I won't go into a lot of detail about this, but Aristotle right. and C.S. Lewis talked about four different kinds of love. And mm-hmm. the first one is philia, which is the love of friendship. So does this person know how to be a good friend? Mm-hmm. What kind of a friend is this person to their friends? You know, do they have yeah. friends? Do they lose friends? Okay. And friendship is about emotional safety, right? Your best friends are the ones that your heart is safe with. You can tell your best friends anything, and they're going to be, they're going to affirm you. They're going to praise you. They're not going to criticize you, right? And Another part of friendship is we have a lot of things in common. The more you have in common, the better that is for your marriage. Now, you're never going to have everything in common, and that's good. You need some separate interests as well. But the more you have in common, the better. I mean, if, you like the exercise and the person you're dating likes to eat popcorn and watch movies that may not be good right uh how do you build a friendship on those things right um and so you got to make sure you've got a lot of things in common okay faith of course is very important Mm. but it's not the only thing either i mean I, i work with couples who share a deep love for the catholic church but that's about the only thing they have in common and those things are you know, those are difficult challenges, right? Mm-hmm. So friendship number two, store gay, which is gentleness and kindness. Um, You know, does this person know how to be kind? Do they know how to do kind things? Can they do little, do they do little acts of kindness throughout the day? You know, if they notice that my coffee is half empty, do they just grab the pot and fill it up for me? Or do they pass the creamer to me when I get a cup of coffee? You know, do they hold my chair or open my car door? Do they... You know, just if they see, you know, a, a mess, that they straighten it up without being asked. You know, are they? Do they do little acts of kindness? Do they do things that make life just more pleasant? Okay, mm-hmm. so that's a good story. Arrows is physical expressions of love. Um, there's a couple parts of this. One is infatuation. One is physically attractiveness. Right? And am I, am I physically attracted to this person? Very important part of what married life is all about. Right? Is physical love but it's more than just the, the, the marital embrace. It is, does this person physically comfort me when I'm sad? Will they, do they hug me when I'm sad? Will they hold my hand? Do they, um, uh, when we walk down the street, you know, do they reach across the table when we're having dinner and squeeze my hand? Do they look me in the eye? Right. So do they know how to, how to show love physically? Okay. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that's, that's number three. And then number four is, is agape, which is this sacrificial unconditional love, right? Can this person love me in spite of my defects? And you know, that's part two of the defect conversation is you need to be able to tell your future spouse what your defects are so that they know. So they're not going to this thing blind either.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: I'm really cranky in the morning. Don't bother me in the morning. Right. Mm-hmm. Or I'm no good past nine o'clock at night. So it's like, you know or whatever your defects are i tend to be selfish or i you know whatever it is you need to be able to convey that as well okay so this unconditional love is uh is is a great thing okay and and this idea that they will put my happiness ahead of their own mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. and they will love me i mean jesus is our role model here right his love is unconditional and I, if you if you want a perfect example of that just go to the last supper When he washed the feet of the disciples, although Peter was going to curse and swear, he didn't know him in just a few hours. Judas was going to use those really clean feet to go sell him. Mm -hmm. And the other 10 were going to use those really clean feet to run as far away from him as they could get. Mm -hmm. And he still loved them enough to do these acts of service for them. So this unconditional love, which is the opposite of selfishness, right? Mm Right. Does this person know how to put other people ahead of himself or herself? So really good. So there you go. There's there's your four loves. Check out the podcast for more on that.
0: I, I like this too, because I think it's helpful. I mean, in the modern age, I think a lot of young couples, especially if they're far from their faith, they get very focused. I think on an incorrect understanding kind of Eros love, right? There's lots of physical attraction. Maybe they're already living together or that kind of a thing. And they often, well, and that's not really fully living Eros love the way you should, but also they're kind of missing these other ones. Right. And so like the very full picture of what true spousal love should look like with all four of these being key components. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. All four. And it's hard for me to tell, say, which is more important than the other, because all four are really important. You know, the agape probably is the most important, but, but what a lot of couples are doing now, like 90% of them is they're putting the eros love ahead of the philia and the store gang. Right. And uh, you know, we could have an entire podcast just on the problems with that, of course. That's but true. if, if the eros love is, shows up too soon, uh, we're not developing a friendship and we're not developing kindness and, we're not in a position to really evaluate those things. So it's really a good idea to actually follow the church's guidelines on these things. (laughs) Right. Well, and I
0: mean, even when the Eros love shows up early, it's, it's a disordered Eros because it's not open to life and it's not fully giving himself. Right. So like, it's it's not actually like it's a physical expression, but it's not the fullness of that physical expression.
1: Yeah. That's really good. And I I had a conversation one time with a young man uh, who was, um, had these things, out of order with Mm -hmm. a a young lady who said he loved a great deal. And so that was an okay thing. And I said, yeah, but uh, it's actually a mortal sin. And if you love her, why would you ask her to do something that's going to condemn her soul to hell for all of eternity?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And he hadn't really thought about that, but yes. So if you get the arrows love out of that's not love, it's fact, it's just the opposite. It's actually asking the person to do something highly offensive to God.
0: Mm -hmm. Well,
1: that there's no love in that. So Yeah. all
0: right. we can this, go on and on it's true, it's true. On. all right let's move on
1: to number three number three now this one might uh send your audience scratching head a little bit um how does your future spouse feel about divorce hmm. what's their opinion on divorce well I, yeah i got it. we're catholic so divorce isn't an option although we know 40 percent of all first-time marriages are going to end in divorce so you know uh it's a reasonable conversation to have is that how do you you know This vow until death do us part. Mm -hmm. Do you really believe that? Or there are some exceptions to that? Mm -hmm. It's like till death do us part, unless, right? So what would the unless be, right? So um, under what circumstances would this person consider divorce a viable option, Mm -hmm. right? And you know, uh, there are some pretty bad things out there. Maybe, you know, physical abuse, to be sure, right? Um, most abuse affairs, right? Would it be okay to divorce me if I had an affair? Would you Would you do that? Um, and, you know, a lot of people get divorced these days just because I'm not happy with you. Right. Oh, well, I'm not happy. This marriage must have been a mistake. I must have married the wrong person. The right person is out there somewhere Mm. uh, because I'm not happy. Mm -hmm. Well, is lack of happiness a viable, in your opinion, reason to divorce someone? So I think it would be good to have that conversation because every marriage hits some speed bumps. Every marriage hits a place where one or both of them scratch their head and think, man, I might be happier without you around. Right. Right. That's a normal thing because we're flawed. We have defects. We just get it wrong sometimes. Right. And so if I see divorce as a, a reasonable alternative that things aren't going the way I want them to, mm-hmm. I'd like to know about that before I marry you, because sure. at some point you might get tired of me or you might not be perfectly happy with me. Mm-hmm. At which point, if you're like, well, I'll just move on to the next one. I'd like to know about that first. So, yeah, yeah it'd be good to talk about divorce before you get married.
0: I, I have a friend who this exact thing happened. They were engaged and her, you know, fiance brings up some, and it was in a random conversation. He just had this comment, like, you know, it's just nice to know that like divorce is available. And she was like, whoa, wait, wait whoa, what? And she was like, <laughs> I mean, I would, not that I would ever, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I see us married forever, but like, it's nice to know like at least it's, it's a legal option for us. Yeah. And that, you know, for her um, set off a lot of warning bells, lots of red flags going off well, for her yeah. and she took, a step back and really reassess and ended up breaking the engagement because of Sparked. this. was smart. like, he's not, he's yeah. not as committed to this as I am, right? And now I'm yeah. very happily married and to someone else and all of that. But like the, that that yeah. conversation, which I think a lot of people just assume, especially if it's a Catholic marrying a Catholic or a Christian yeah. a Christian, is like really good in their faith, they're like, ah, uh, it's fine. Yeah. We're not doing this. But it's good to know. Where do they see that? Right.
1: Well, it's exactly right. See, and some Catholics, there are some sort of they have the mindset that you know what. I can divorce you. I just can't remarry. So mm-hmm. if I'm not happy with you, I'll just go through life single the rest of my life, and I'm going to get rid of you, right? Well, okay, is that how you, you know, is that a viable option for you? So these are good things to talk about since so you really know where the person feels. And, you know, uh, your your friend there made the right decision, right? Sure. And uh, and so better to know these things before you get uh, engaged than after, because it's a whole lot harder to put the brakes on after you're engaged.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. All Good. right. Cool. All right. So, so
1: yeah, number four. Crazy, but all right. Number four. The last two are just kind of practical things. Um, one is, you know, how does your future spouse view money? Money is the number one thing couples fight about. Um, and I, you know, I, I when we when I got married, when we got married, we had zero money. And my future father in law said, you know, Doug, most of your arguments would be about money. And I thought that was the dumbest thing I ever heard. I'm like, we got no money now. We don't fight. Why would we <laughs> fight when we get some? Well, then we got some money. We, you know, we both got jobs. We're working, and we had some money. And um, I wanted to upgrade the stereo speakers. My speakers were kind of fried from playing them really loud in college. Well, my wife wanted a kitchen table. Well, I'm like, <laughs> well, we don't need a kitchen table. We got a card table and folding chairs. That works perfectly fine, but we need new speakers. So we got in a big fight over kitchen table versus stereo speaker.
0: There you go.
1: Forty three years later, we still have the kitchen table we bought. (laughs) We (laughs) we still have it. And we did not buy the stereo speakers. So um, there's two kinds of people in the world when it comes to money. There are spenders and savers. But money is really not about the money. It's about what the money represents. Okay, and so for a spender, money represents fun and enjoying life. Mm -hmm. Right. I work to make money so I can enjoy life. You have to spend money to enjoy life. So I'm making money. So I can spend it on things that will bring me pleasure. So movies and dinners and travel and vacations and whatever, nice cars, whatever it is. Okay, Uh, Savers, money is about security. I need money in the bank so I can sleep. I can't sleep if I don't have at least six months worth of money in the bank or 12 months worth of money in the bank. So in case I lose my job or whatever, we have some big medical expense or my car blows up, I need to buy another car. Mm -hmm. I I can't sleep if I don't have a lot of money in the bank. Well, when a uh, saver marries a spender, there's going to be a lot of conflict around money and what you're going to do with it. So, you know, unless you are independently wealthy, none of us have enough money to do all the things that are possible. So uh, important to have this conversation about money, because uh, if you're not aligned on this thing, you're going to need to do a lot of compromising. Mm, Yeah.
0: And that, that it, Gels perfectly with our with episode eighteen of this season that we had season three where we were talking with a couple from the messy family project all about how do you make financial decisions as a team right oh, like cool. how do you kind of navigate this together and and how do you make those decisions between the kitchen table and the speakers yeah and one of the things yeah. that they point out which I think is really helpful and I've used in my own life but I think it's so helpful for all couples is. It's much easier to make those financial decisions when you know what your what the goal and the vision of your family is. Right. And yes. so for, like let's use the yeah. table on the speakers idea. If your vision of the family was to have family and have children and come around the table and sit and talk, or if it was to have a very musical family that listens to music all the time and is like dancing around in the living room, like that's yeah. how you make that call, right? right. So that was yeah. That's a real it was a really interesting episode that gels perfectly with this.
1: I love it. I love it. I agree. I agree. hundred percent. Good. All right. So money. And then the the second one or the last one, fifth one is um, children, right? How do you feel about mm-hmm. children? And, you know, we live in a society um, that views children as like bad things, you know, or things I just uh, kind of acquire, like I do, you know, a vacation property or something, I, you know, I'll add a couple of them into my life but my life ain't going to change much. Well, I'll just, now I have a couple of kids. I'll just drag along with me. Okay. Um, or this openness to life and, you know, this participation in God's creative power, right, that he's given us to bring new life into the world. And and how do I really feel about children and openness to life, right? And, you know, um, the very first commandment recorded in the Bible, I think it's the 18th verse of Genesis, the very first commandment that God gave us, oh. be fruitful and multiply, yeah. So the very first thing he said is, come on, bring some new life into the world. Well, how do we feel about that commandment? Is that a commandment? Is that a suggestion? <laughs> is that a commandment? And what am I going to do about that? How do you feel about that? So you really need to be aligned on that. And, you know, I, I, I work with couples sometimes where one wants large family, the it doesn't. Well, how are you going to work that out? That's a really tough, tough thing. And, you know, how many is too many, right? So, like, well, four is all I can afford. Well, I could do six. How are you going to figure that out? And so you need to really be aligned in an openness to children. And, and um, you know, and that's so that's it. So, so there you go. So that, that's you, number five is children.
0: Do you think part of in, in the world today where there's like an increasing rate of infertility in women because of a lot of various factors, which we don't have to go into today. But yeah. do you think that's also part of this conversation that couples need to have early on? Like what happens if we're infertile? right? Like we're unable to conceive a child because I know more and more couples. I have more and more friends who just have been married for years, some 12, 14 years, and there are no children still. And that is a huge friction in their marriage just because it's very difficult and painful. So
1: yeah, right. Exactly. Right. You know, and yes, I work with couples who are struggling with this thing as well. And then now what can we do to try to increase the woman's fertility? Right. And where, where are those lines? And you got IVF, right. And, and am I, am I willing to do that? Am I, you know, embryo? And I, um, so those are good conversations to have as well, mm-hmm. because those are really painful things. And yeah, I think, I, I don't know, I haven't studied, I don't know what the, the numbers are, but it seems to me there's a lot of couples out there who really struggle with fertility. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so, and what if, what if God yeah. uh, is choosing for us not to have, are we going to adopt? What are we going to do? So, right, I so, um, but... Yeah, I agree, I agree, 100%. Yeah.
0: Good, I like it. So, any last words of wisdom you want to leave us with beyond these kind of five things every couple should know or talk about before they get married?
1: Yeah, I think you know. The, I guess the last thing I'd say is you, you need to. I, you know, I'll sound like I'm tooting my own horn here, but I, I think you need to do a really good job of marriage prep. Okay. And you need yeah. to. You need to, and it's more than just these five. I had a really hard time boiling it down to five. There's really about 257. <laughs> um, of course. Yeah, but anyway, so, I mean, I, I've developed a, a, um, a workshop that's on my website called Marriage Discernment, and it has two goals. The first is to help a couple decide, hey, are you the person that I should marry? Mm-hmm. Um, and if the answer is yes, all right, what skills do we need? What do we need to be able to do to actually do marriage well and be happily okay. married? Um, and, uh, and if the answer is no, good. And, I, you know, I've had couples who've gone through my workshops, and they've broken up afterward um and they're very grateful they're like man you opened my eyes to things that i hadn't thought about or seen and this mm-hmm. would have been a mistake well better to figure it out before the marriage than after the marriage sure um uh, and so i think good marriage prep uh there's a lot of good programs out there i think i've got one um there are others out there too but it really should start even before you get engaged by the time you get engaged man it's almost too late to put the brakes on so mm-hmm. sure as soon as you're in a relationship where it's like this is serious this really could go someplace I think that's a good time to to go through a workshop like I've got or some of the other ones that are out there.
0: Okay, good to know. Uh, and where can they find you? Where can they find this?
1: Yeah, my website is happymarriageforlife.com. Happymarriageforlife.com, one word.
0: Okay, and, uh, great. Yeah. We'll, we'll link to it in the show notes as well so that people can find cool. you. Um, but thanks, Doug, so much for this conversation. It was excellent.
1: I loved it. Thanks so much for the invitation.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ferris Love Podcast. If you enjoyed it, there are a few quick things you can do to support us. Share this episode with a friend, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, or visit us at ferrisloveshrine.org. And don't forget, we have a second podcast called After Kana, made specifically for those nearly engaged or engaged couples.